Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. Today, we got a very special guest from Kendall Tucky. Yeah, <laughs> from Kendallville. I'm gonna let uh, I'm gonna let Dakota introduce uh, Nate. Actually, I, I made some notes, but Dakota added some to it, and I was like, oh, I didn't know that. So yeah. So this is uh, Nate Mosley. He is a husband, a father, a worship leader, a lead singer, and guitar player of JD Three. Uh, he's a pastor at Grace Christian Church, and he's a title rep for Assurance Title, and he's also a genius. <laughs> Not very many people know that, but welcome to the show. Uh, thanks. thanks. Uh, that's uh, you have a, an, a unique idea of what genius means. I think, <laughs> but I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, but uh, I actually do think you're a genius. I think I think a lot of other people like think that too whenever they talk to you. But huh. well, thanks. Yeah. But uh, I just want to start off, if you just talk about, like, your past, how you grew up, and uh, just kind of give us, like, a real brief, like, timeline of, like, your, your history. Because I actually don't know much about your, your childhood or anything. But Wow. I didn't know it was going to be like that. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, yeah, I grew up um, mostly in this area. Um, my parents, my mom was uh, 15 and my dad oh my was gosh. 17 when I came around. Um, and so they, uh, you know, were together for a little while, and then dad moved away. And so off and on growing up, I'd go live with him. I'd live here and back and forth. Cool part about that was I got to see lots of parts of the country because my dad moved around a lot. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, lived in mostly in northeast Indiana. Um, were you born in Kenneville? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, my I remember growing up. My one goal was like I will never live here. You know, as soon as I'm out of school, I'm gone. Yep. And then uh, I think God had different plans for me. You know, yep. I think I think that's one of the big things uh, people need to learn is like how to flourish where you are and not think yep. like I need to be somewhere else in order to succeed or you know yeah. my life will be better if I go to this different place or this different job or. Sometimes the change is needed, um, but you can make things better where, right where you are. Yep. You know. Yeah, and I've noticed too. It's funny because uh, I notice that people over in Arizona or like you know we go to Vegas, Miami. No matter where you grow up at, everybody says they're like, ah, I want to go somewhere else. No matter where they're at, it could be the most beautiful place ever, and they're like, yeah, I want to move. I'm like, I don't get it. It just seems like it is like a, uh, I guess just like a, you think things are gonna be different somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, my grandpa always said that the grass is always greener where the dogs have been pooping, you know. <laughs> so you always Let's think Let's put that as a quote. Yeah. For the headline. <laughs> uh, yeah, you always think it's better somewhere else and, you know, make it better where you are. Yeah. You know? I think I had that same, I mean, that was really important for me because I had shiny object syndrome and I didn't know exactly what it was that I wanted to do with the rest of my life. I didn't really have a purpose. Then I had a daughter. And so then I was like, well, if I'm going to be part of her life. I need to stick around here. I really have the option to move. So it was important for me um, to like be able, it was actually empowering to me to be able to say, okay, now I have to do anything that I can here. I can't really go anywhere else. I need to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, similar thing. I, you know, wait. I, I didn't get started as young as my parents did, but I started pretty young. And so, you know, my wife and I, we've been together 27 years. Wow. Um, it, that I know I look like I'm only 27. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but uh, you know, we started having kids. Uh, basically, I was right out of high school, basically, and and so you know, I was like, well, I can. Uh, early on, I tried to be a touring musician, and and I realized, well, I can be a touring musician, or I can be a part of my kids' lives, and uh, you know, I think I chose the better one. You know, so we yeah. have six kids now, and wow, and, yeah. So what were you like, uh, like back in high school and stuff? And then were you brought up Christian? Like, were your parents Christian? Because obviously, you know, they're divorced. Um, yeah. No. Um, I mean, my my grandparents were part of. Um, they were Christians, but they were part of kind of a legalistic cult type of deal. You know. Um, oddly enough, that that group that they were part of, uh, they didn't believe that you could listen to music or play music um uh no tattoos no long hair and you know i'm i'm i take all <laughs> three of those hair. off you know um but yeah so that uh, there was a little bit of that but no i didn't really grow up in the church uh, as a matter of fact i the way i came uh to faith was really to sort of disprove that you know i had some family members that um love to let me know I was going to hell, you know, mm -hmm. and I was like, all right, I'm going to prove you guys wrong. You're, this is stupid. And what, and instead what I found is, uh, something different, you know, mm -hmm. that, uh, and I, and I think that's really the big part of whatever your spiritual journey is, is it should involve the quest for truth. Yeah. Right. Not reinforce what I already think or feel. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I want to I want to know what's true, and so that's how I approached it, and and uh, came out the other side going, oh, well, I actually do believe a couple of things they believe, um, mm -hmm. and they were wrong on a lot of things, so, in my estimation. Yeah. So. How do you how do you actually differentiate that? Because that's something that like I I try to explain to people is that like no matter what you're gonna have presuppositions because obviously you come up from different backgrounds, you have different beliefs, and you've like you know, built that up. And that's kind of your lens on truth and life is like mm -hmm. how you were. So how do you differentiate or like put that aside to where you're like, okay, I'm searching for truth here, no matter what the answer is. Yeah, that. So uh, I think that's one of the biggest challenges is to be intellectually honest in life, not just in faith, but in anything, right? Because um, you're right, we do carry our own preconceived notions about things. Um, but, uh, early on, and I didn't, I'm not sure that you guys want to get into all, all the Bible stuff, but you know, in Genesis, the first thing we see with Adam and Eve is that they were naked and unashamed. That means there was nothing between them. No, no made up things, no, you know, false faces or fronts. Uh, and so that, that's the ideal is that there be nothing between me and my creator, right? That I'm. I'm not bringing in all these other presuppositions. I'm just going to, you can see me for who and what I am, and I can see you the same. Um, and so that's, you know, that's what he wants for us, I believe, is to, um, to desire to know him. And, it, and if you desire that, he'll help you know him, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I think I might have lost the train on what our question was there. So it's just like uh, differentiating between your preconceived notions oh, yeah. and actual truth. Yeah, so if you approach it that way, that like I just want to know what's true, and I don't want to reinforce this thing I already think, mm -hmm. and that's a really hard thing to do. But you have, because to be naked in front of someone is 
you're, it's a vulnerable position, right? And you have to go into it in a vulnerable way, like assuming that, like I, I you, you guys are probably like me, most of the time you feel like you're right, mm-hmm. right? I start from the position of I'm right, and now let me prove yeah, you wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Uh, but I want to be able to go into any situation and go, I'm, I just want to know what is right. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, start from there. Um, and so, I mean, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing, I think, with anything, especially, you know, when you're studying a, a topic that has so many strong opinions on different sides. Um, but if you can just go into it with an open mind, right, um, that's, you know, one of the things you probably heard that, like, uh, Jesus says, you know, let the, you let the little children come to me, that you're, that's the type of faith we're supposed to have, is the faith of a little child, mm-hmm. right? Most people take that as, oh, like a dumb, innocent faith, right? Because little kids will believe anything. Right. Uh, but you, you have a daughter, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's one of her favorite things to ask you? Why? Why? <laughs> right? That's the question we should always be asking, right? Why? Uh, why does this work? Why did it? Why do you believe that? Why does it say this? Mm-hmm. You know, and that I think that's what he's getting at, right? Is have a faith that okay, even though you don't understand, trust me, like a child trusts their parent. In the meantime, ask me all the questions you've got, mm-hmm. and, and that's one of the things I've been trying to work on in my own life is asking questions. You know, anybody I meet, uh, you know, people. People will remember that you were interested, yeah. You know, and that you you cared to hear what they have to say, uh, and you know, it's I don't say that just so as a way to manipulate people or anything, but just you know, I'm genuinely curious about why why are you in real estate? Why do you why did you start this podcast? Why you know why is the question that um, we should all be asking, and it's the question that you know that God tells us to ask, you yeah. Know? Um, I think people have the wrong idea, you know, that uh, you're just supposed to blindly believe things. In in James, it says that the testing of your faith is what produces endurance, what gets you through, right? Mm-hmm. And that word testing in, in the original language, it means to rip and to tear, like w- what happens to your muscle when you work out. Mm-hmm. Hey, your faith might even fail sometimes. You might reach a moment where I don't even know that I believe that. Yeah. And getting to that point and pushing through is what is going to build it back up, you know, and strengthen you. Um, so, yeah, question everything and then have an open mind to what the answer is, you know. Yeah. Um, and just you're not as smart as you think you are, mm-hmm. you know. As uh, is, is right as I think I am most of the time, I'm trying to approach things more and more as if I, I don't know anything. Instruct me. Tell me why, you know. Yep. So there's... Um a seminar series that Dakota and I like, and they sort of talk about how, like, naturally from birth, uh, the nature of you as a child may be to be more open, to be more trusting, to be more kind, to have a, a wide range of emotions and to be open to just feeling the way that you feel, not suppressing anything, mm-hmm. expressing yourself fully. You're full of integrity because you're doing whatever it is that you want to do because you're a little kid. But at the same time, kids are kind of like mostly about themselves. They have a lot of ego and that sort of thing. So 
Uh, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that specifically, because it's more of a secular idea, I guess, which would be that we should go back to the way that we were as kids versus... Um, Try what, to people please. Yeah. It, and, oh, yeah. And then the opposite, which is that, like, well... Uh, Christianity specifically is more like, hey, we're kind of like bad right off the bat. So mm -hmm. maybe contrast those ideas. Like, give me your thoughts on that. Well, yeah, there's uh, um, one thing you never have to teach a child how to do is to lie. Mm -hmm. Right? It's just it's built into us. Mm -hmm. The first you can see it, like the first time they tell a lie, and they're like, mm -hmm. that worked. <laughs> you know it. Uh, so I, you know, I think there is some of that. Like our ego, it always wants what it wants above anything else, you know. A and um, that's not all bad, right? There's you need to have drive and desire, and and uh, but I think the perfect thing the, when you reach maturity is when you can be your full, real self and also still care about other people, mm -hmm. you know. Um, because uh, as a child, that you just do what comes naturally, what mm -hmm. feels good, mm -hmm. right? And uh, w what feels good when you're five years old is to eat candy all day, even though it's not the best thing for you. Mm -hmm. um, and to play and not spend time reading or doing anything, you know, doing stuff that's not fun. And that's all great, but you need, you need more better than that. Uh, and that's, um, I think that's a big part of what, whatever your path is or your disciplines are in life, uh, is you have to reach a point where you can face yourself and go, uh, I'm going to do the things that don't come naturally. Uh, and in Christianity, especially, we're, like, we're not called to do what comes natural. We're called to lead supernatural lives, you know, to be different on purpose. Um, and so what comes easy to you, sometimes that can be a strength that you can use, right? But if that's all you do is just play to the strengths you have, you're not going to grow. Um, and you need to do the things that don't come naturally and that aren't easy, right? And, and like, you know, my body always, want, always wants what's worse for it, mm -hmm. you know? When I'm hungry, I would much rather have pizza than a salad, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, but uh, am I willing to push through that uncomfortableness and, you know, do what's best? Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure about the seminar you're talking about, but, like, you know, that return to who you were as a child, I think that's great, right? Embrace who you are, but still be willing to do the things that are best for you. Are un yeah, are not comfortable, right? Because mm -hmm. the, the right thing and the easy thing are rarely the same thing, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, I wanted to go back to talking about like uh, the basically like blind faith versus like asking questions because like uh, I mean I don't know how many people know this but I don't even know if you know this or if I've ever told you but I would say like the reason that I'm a Christian today is because of you and your influence on me so like mm -hmm. you know the impact that you had on my life is like like crazy so like first of all thank you for that oh. but then also like uh, how important do you think that is then to like be able to ask those questions because like you know my parents were not like that they were always just like oh just you just got to believe on faith and i was like yeah that's not okay i'm not okay with that because i want to mm -hmm. know i want to know the truth and i was seeking the truth and uh yeah you were actually willing to answer the questions so like you could elaborate a little bit more on like maybe like 
talk to, you know, the parents that are, the kids are asking this. Cause like, I think that a lot of parents just say, just believe it. And they don't actually know the answer. So how important do you think that is to like actually help people work through that and to not just be upset with them for asking questions? Yeah, that's a unfortunate thing, right? Is when we're questioned on something, especially something that we don't, we never took the time to question. We just get angry, mm -hmm. you know? Um, uh, look, if you don't question things and, and really dig into it, nothing will ever be better. Nothing will ever change. Um, and, you know, that may have worked for your parents, but, uh, and I, I, I know I've said this to my own kids, like when they, I tell them to do something and they say, why? And I say, because I said so. Yeah. Right. That's a dumb, angry answer. Mm -hmm. You know, the better answer is, well, because, you know, it's better for you. This is what we need done and you know, whatever. Explain the, explain the thing. Um, and I think a lot of people approach faith that way. Just do it because I said so. Because I never bothered to ask this question, so I don't really know how to answer it. So let's just pretend that I yeah. know, you know. Um, what do you think the solution is? The solution to that? Um, I think it kind of circles back to what we were talking about. Like, look at yourself in the mirror and go, okay, I'm willing to do what's uncomfortable. And, uh, you know, be intellectually honest here. You know, mm -hmm. here's the, I, and I'm still wrestling with things. I've been um, in ministry for 20 some years, uh, there are still things that I'm re-looking at and going, you know, I've, I've just always believed this because I heard someone preach it or whatever. Let me really re-examine that and go, you know, is that what it says in the original Greek or, or you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's some things I still can't quite nail down. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. I, the, I think the only... The only solution is to be willing to do the thing that you don't want to do, yeah. you know, to do the research and do the work. And, yeah. Yep. What got you into the work originally? So what was your story before? Did you have other jobs before you decided that you wanted to get into ministry? And then what was your, what was the push? What was the thing? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I've, gosh, I've bounced around in a few different fields. I've been uh, in real estate and title and lending and stuff for almost about the same amount of time that I've been in ministry. But prior to that, I'd, you know, I'd worked in a factory. I had, um, I was a supervisor in a union shop. Uh, that was unpleasant, you know, <laughs> uh, that, that the one thing I learned from that job was that I don't want to do this the rest <laughs> of my life. Um, yeah, so I've done, you know, manual labor. I've done uh, office work and uh, everything in between. I've been a working musician. Uh, I still do that a little bit. Um, but uh, when I got involved in ministry, it wasn't as a vocation. It was just something that um, I wanted to help other people not make the mistakes I had made and to help other people understand the word a little better because no one had helped me mm -hmm. early on. Uh, and so that's, that was really my main concern. And then over the years that morphed into uh, my church asking me to come on uh, full time. Um, but yeah. Awesome. So, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't uh, ever set out to be like uh, my, my career is going to be uh, in ministry. 
And also, if that's something you're thinking about, um, I hope you're prepared to also take a vow of poverty. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not a great financial career path. Yeah. Unless you're Joel Osteen. Well, well yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah, the, the, the groups where you can make a lot of money, they really question that Luce, group. Right? Luther, Luther Morals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, what do you think that uh, people, like, misunderstand most about Christianity? Boy. Um, we threw all the easy questions yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> See, I thought we were going to talk about, like, Real estate and, oh, yeah. and you know, investing. Yeah. Um, we'll get to that. Yeah, no, I, what do I think is most misunderstood? Um, I think, for one, the the character of, of God. Um, I don't mean, like, uh, you know, the biography of him, but what his nature is. I think most people have this, the impression that God is... Um, the universal school principle, mm -hmm. you know, he's waiting to catch you in some violation uh, to in order to punish you, mm -hmm. and that's the the last thing he wants. Um, and also, the, and then there are enough um, churches and, and Christians uh, out there that do believe that that it's really distorted the image of of who he, who I believe he is in, in, in his word. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things that, um, we're taught early on is, is the concept of God as a father, mm -hmm. right? God, the father. Well, he used that imagery for a reason to teach us something about his nature, right? And the image should be that, well, a father is always there for you. He makes you feel safe and secure. Uh, he loves you unconditionally, but he's willing to discipline you in order to help you grow and, and be the best you you can be, right? Um, those are the concepts we're supposed to take. The problem is we have, most of us have uh, fathers that don't represent all of those things, or any of them maybe. Mm -hmm. Maybe you have a father who was never there, or a father that you could never depend on, uh, who was abusive, um, who you know showed you no love and only hate or anger and those are and so that that i think has distorted our picture of who god is uh and makes us just assume that he's against me not for me mm -hmm. you know um so yeah getting the the right picture of of his character um and also that it's not just a bunch of you know weird rituals and stuff there's there's more uh, there's something better he wants for you than that. Yeah. So uh, I had a, a question more about uh, traditions, because your your church is a little less traditional um, from uh, my experience, and mm -hmm. Dakota's been there more than me. But uh, I know that uh, there's there's like this little clip in Rick and Morty where the the dad is talking, and he's like, well, traditional traditionally you know science fair projects are a father-son thing and then rick goes well scientifically traditions are an idiot thing so, <laughs> so that's a fairly good rick yeah. Yeah. when you look at churches uh who do like the stand up sit down rah 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 recite mm -hmm. 
the saying, now we pray, now we don't. What do you think of them? Are traditions an idiot thing? How, no. how important are traditions? No. Um, you know, that, that was, that's the hip, cool thing to say in, in, in uh, Christianese, you know, mm -hmm. is the, you know we're, we're not into traditions and all that. Mm -hmm. But uh, not all traditions are bad, right? Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, a lot of traditions are there to, because they worked, right? They're, um, if you find a teaching method that works, that becomes a tradition, right? And until it doesn't work, why get rid of it, you know? Um, and as a matter of fact, like, I, that's one of the things we've been looking at because we basically had none of the conventional traditions at our church, but over time we, we've learned, okay, some of these are not so bad. Um, and trying to look at, you know, is this a teaching tool or is it just a thing that we all do mechanically without any thought behind it, mm -hmm. you know? Because, um, yeah, once a tradition becomes just that, just a tradition, and it's not serving another purpose, then get rid of it, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but, I, yeah, I don't think it's in uh, traditions necessarily are for idiots. I, I think if they're serving their purpose, which is... Um, you know, to reinforce things, to remind you of truths and, you know, take you to a deeper place with it, by all means, keep it up. But once it loses that, you've lost the point of it. Yeah, it's funny because I was at a Catholic wedding um, and I've never been to a Catholic anything. And uh, um, they kept like reciting things that were memorized and then we we're standing up, sitting down and like, to me, I was like, I got a little frustrated because it did feel like exactly that. I felt like there was no meaning behind it, but not just no meaning uh, or meaning, but also like I felt like there was judgment from other people that I didn't know it. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like you guys yeah. are going to use this as like, a, oh, now you're better than me because I don't know this. I'm like, this is so weird to me now. And like, it felt like this is the opposite of like what we're actually supposed to be doing here. Like we're supposed to be deepening our connection with God. Mm -hmm. And right now it feels like you're using this as like a, like a, I know more than you kind of thing. And it felt very weird. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, like I said, that's the danger of, of traditions, I guess, or one of the dangers. It's funny, um, you know, like one of the early traditions of the church, it still holds its place in our society today would be like the Lord's Prayer. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was in high school playing football, we said the Lord's Prayer before every game. And I, you know, it's like the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah. Yeah. You right. say it. And what's so hilarious about that one, it, it shows our like our desire to have rules and traditions is if you were to read that passage in context, uh, Jesus disciples say, Lord, teach us how to pray. And then he says, oh, okay, well, when you pray, don't be like these people who use just vain repetition, right? In other words, don't just repeat, memorize things, mm -hmm. but pray in this way. And so he's modeling like a style of prayer. And, and we went, <laughs> right, repeat those words. <laughs> it's, it's the exact opposite of what he meant, right? That is funny. Um, but yeah, so I, people um, gravitate toward order, mm -hmm. you know? And even if it's um, even if it's not the best thing for them, they'll they're just looking for some kind of order in the chaos, right? That's why you know fascist leaders come into power. Everybody wants a strong man to just lead them. Mm -hmm. 
uh, whether we admit it or not, right? We just want somebody to be in charge. Yeah. It doesn't matter what happens after, just at least somebody's in charge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think a lot of traditions are that way. At least, okay, I know what to expect. This yeah. is the order things are going to go in, mm-hmm. you know. What's well, interesting you talk about strength. I actually had that as one of my questions too. So um, that this was something that I heard, and I don't know if you want to confirm it or not, but I think it's funny too, being more conservative, you'll see a lot of Christians have guns. And then yeah. the disciples had a couple swords. Not everybody had a sword on them, but uh-huh. they had a couple. And so then I'm wondering, you know, how... Uh, something that Jordan Peterson said, which I, you know, I'm not sure if he's a, a false prophet or a follower, depending uh, on what you hear about him. <laughs> I, I love him. He's a, he uh, he chases truth, mm-hmm. right? And that's I'm all for that. So he but says, anyway, what did he say? Yeah. He says you shouldn't you you shouldn't be uh, weak, like you shouldn't aspire to be a coward, like you should be a monster, yeah. and then you should learn how to control that. So how important is that for uh, the Christian community to see strong men and strong leaders? And uh, what does that look like? Mm. Yeah, you guys are just trying to open every can of worms. Right? <laughs> I actually just got into a little bit of trouble at my church here not too long ago <laughs> because I was talking a little bit about this, that... Uh, despite popular opinion, Jesus is not a capitalist or a Republican. Mm-hmm. You know, we we've tried to tie him to that, especially in Western American society. Right? Uh, he, uh, I don't want to say what political affiliations he would have. Right? He's he was a theist. You should make me king. That's what mm-hmm. you should do. Um, uh, What we see, you know, when, when it comes to economic policy, he says, if you have extra, if you have more than you need, that's I've, I provided that to you mm-hmm. so that you could help someone else. Yeah. Right. Uh, that kind of goes against capitalism a little bit, <laughs> you know. Uh, and, you know, he says, you know, if you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. Uh you should turn the other cheek and pray for those who persecute you. And those run counter to uh, the general view of, of who Jesus is. Because we've, we've kind of, like going back to what we said earlier, we've lost the nature of who God is. Mm-hmm. Right? And, uh, yeah, he, I mean, God is powerful and he has wrath and all of that. But uh, he, Jesus has called us to something greater than that. And so strength, I don't think, has to do, shouldn't be about uh, might makes right. Uh, it should be um, strength under control, mm-hmm. right? Because what's more effective, um, a wild stallion, he's full of muscle and testosterone, but you can't ride him, mm-hmm. or a horse that's been broken and will do exactly what you need a horse to do right mm-hmm. um it's that's the trick right be a monster and then ha- have control of it you know? yeah um use your use your power for good yep yeah i've uh i had somebody ask me that it was actually jonathan he was asking me the other day he's like man do you just like 
you feel way better knowing that you can beat somebody in a fight and stuff and like you know like if they if they you know smart off to you you just go over there and beat the crap out of them i was like you know not really actually what it does for me though is it makes me feel like i don't need to because mm -hmm. i already like i know that i can handle myself if i need to so i now no longer feel like i have to prove it so if I didn't have that same like sense of like, oh, I can fight, I would probably have feel the need like, oh, I got to go and show this person that you don't disrespect me and I don't even know how to fight, but I already know that I can. So yeah. now I feel I don't need to prove it to myself because I have enough self-confidence and like belief that I'm like, I don't need to prove anything to this guy. It is what it is. And I feel confident enough in my, in myself that I don't need to go and prove it to him. So, yeah, I, you know, you see that like the guy that comes in the room and needs to make sure everybody knows he's in charge. All that yeah. shows us is you're not really in charge. Yeah. <laughs> you're too insecure, you know? Yep. And I, I think all three of us have a little bit of background in combat sports. And, you know, the, the guy that's always puffing his chest up usually is the one that can't, <laughs> can't right. fight. Yeah. You know, it's a weird thing. Yep. Uh, what do you, so we talked a little bit about it, but, uh, you know, Tony actually had this down. Goofy, fun, nerdy, Star Wars. Uh, is this how our pastor's supposed to be? Um, uh, I think yeah. about that a little bit more as like, uh, like, Christianity like I feel like people put views on who you're supposed to be as a Christian which is kind of what we're talking about here is like mm -hmm. you have to be a certain way like how do you feel like you because I, I definitely think that you're different from the norm because like you actually do think about what the truth is and you remember that you still can be those things you can still be fun you can be like you know passionate you can still do those things so like how do you uh I guess like do that whenever you're getting so much pressure and like, what do you think, like, you know, you're supposed to be called to be as a Christian? Like, what is a true definition of who a Christian is supposed to be? And how do you still have fun? Wow. Okay. You just all these softballs, you keep <laughs> pitching me. Um, you know, one of my favorite stories uh, from the Old Testament is uh, uh, Gideon and there's a few things that, that happen with Gideon, but when we first encounter him, it's during this time when uh, the Israelites, their property is constantly being raided, and you know if you had any an abundance of anything, these outsiders were just going to come and take it. And so he's trying to thresh his little bit of grain at night, which is not ideal, but it's the only way he can get away with you know preserving what he's got, and. Uh, God sends an angel to speak to him, uh, and he greets him with, you know, calling him a valiant warrior. And this is a coward, right? This is a guy who's hiding in the middle of the night just to avoid a fight, to get his little bit of grain and, and hide it away. Um, and he calls him a valiant warrior, and the guy's never fought a fight. And uh, Gideon even is like, no, I'm not a valiant <laughs> warrior, <laughs> you know. Um, but God sees you for who you can be, not who you are. You know, he wants the best for you um, and be the best Dakota you can be, you know. Uh, and he sees all future and no past. Um, and for many of it, many people in Christianity, I think we... We see, we identify some Christian in our life and go, okay, that's what a good Christian looks like. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to be that. And that's fine. You know, learn what you can from people. Uh, absolutely. If somebody models a 
something really well, learn from them. But they don't have it all figured out. Mm-hmm. They have things in their life that they're still trying to sort through. Jesus doesn't call us to be like other disciples. He says, follow me mm-hmm. and be like me. And um, so that's that's always the test, right? That's the litmus test is, um, well, to be a little bit hokey, you remember the bracelets and stuff that went around back in the uh, early 2000s, the what would Jesus do? Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a fair question, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, how would someone better than me deal with this person right now mm-hmm. rather than me doing what comes naturally my temper's flaring up or or I want to insult them or I want to be rude what would someone who's a bigger man than me do and then do that you know mm-hmm. so you can still have fun as a Christian <laughs> oh sorry yeah we, we, we kind of lost it yeah uh so yeah be part of that is uh be you right like uh, one of the things I see in the scripture is Jesus like he makes jokes yeah you know he we don't read it that way sometimes, but yeah, he he uh, is a little bit sarcastic with the the Pharisees, and he you know he had fun. Yeah, and and uh, it, the only problem is in in the scripture it doesn't say and then he laughed, you know, right. or you know, um, but uh, he designed you with uh, certain innate uh, talents and personality traits. And I know people say, oh, no, that's all nurture, but your dad, you know, there were certain things that when your daughter was two or three months old, you could already see that are in her now, mm-hmm. right? They, their personality is baked in, and then you you can have a little bit of uh, play and, and forming it from there. And same thing, he, he you, you have some traits baked in. And in Ephesians 2, it says that uh, uh, you, for by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, so that no one may boast. And then the next verse, the one that no one ever reads, is uh, that he he uh, has laid out works before you that you would walk in them, mm-hmm. right? That God already had a plan for you. Here are some great things that you will be perfectly suited for, uh, and it will make your life great. Yep. Um, you don't have to do them, but I've, I've prepared them for you, but you don't have to because God's yep. a gentleman. Uh, you know, forced love will, uh, well, that's a crime, right? Yeah. I think you go to jail for mm-hmm. forcing yourself on someone. But um, kind of losing the train. But, yeah, so, you know, if if your desire is to have fun uh, or, you're, you know, you like to joke around or um, you like a certain type of music or whatever, that's part of you. That's fine. Embrace it and, and um, redeem it. You know, Um, that's like with we mentioned music earlier. There's a style of music that I love, and there are you know there weren't a lot of options for that when I became a Christian, and that that I went okay, well I'll just I'll make it then. Yep. You know. Um, Yeah. So you helped uh, me and Dakota uh, during our divorces with some perspective, and. we appreciate that for sure. Um, how much of being a pastor is counseling, and and how do you see that as uh, part of your duties, or do you accept that role? Yeah, that's one of the things that I've 
uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I'm always re-examining things, and that's one of the things I've looked at and realized it's not my gift. You know, I'm, um, I have some ability there, and I've tried to make it better by getting taking classes and that sort of thing. But unfortunately, that I think, especially in in ministry, but you see it in every field, there are people that are willing to take on jobs that they should have handed off. Yeah, you know, and and so like I'll meet with anybody once, you know, and then let's figure out is this something I can really help you with, or or do you need like medical help, you know, or you know maybe you need to see here's a counselor that specializes in that, uh, and and that's comes back to that being naked and unashamed, being intellectually honest, mm-hmm. right. Um, you're not an expert at everything, you know? Um, and so, yeah, there's certain things I'm willing to counsel with people on, uh, and I'll do my best, but, um, do I think it's my duty in that role? No, I think my duty is to serve people with whatever gifts I have. Mm -hmm. And it, and it, and that's not just in my position, that's the, your duty as a human, you know? Um, and so like, if I came to you for advice, I'm sure you'd be willing to give it to me. And then I started telling you about something that you have no idea about. If you're honest, you'll go, look, I'm not the one to advise you. Mm-hmm. You know, Unfortunately, most people are not honest, and they'll just bluff some answer that you know, got you out of the room but didn't yeah. help them at all. Yep. Um, so I think about that a lot in, uh, in business, too. I was just thinking about that. It's like, okay, like in business, you like – you have to wear all the hats sometimes, especially mm-hmm. when you're first starting off. You yeah. have to. It is what it is. But, like, you got to find what is your calling and what's your gift as well um, to, like, actually be able to, you know, like you said, help other people in life in general. Because, like, if you're if it's draining you or you're not giving good advice, you're not helping anybody. If, like, if right. it's pulling from you and taking from you and you're like, I feel drained when I do this then like, that's not your gift. And like, that's not what you should be doing. You need to hand that off to somebody else and then find out what your gift is and what you're good at. And that's the only way you can actually be successful in business or in life or in pastor or anything. Yeah. You you know, I I think the biggest call we have is just to, to pour out good into other people's lives. Yeah. Right. But you can't pour out of an empty cup is the old expression. Right. And if, if you're constantly doing the things that drain you and empty you, you're just setting yourself up for failure, for disaster. Yeah, and I've been there. I, 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 I feel really bad. There, were, when you were first getting into this uh, field that you're in now, I was in a pretty dark place, and so I know that I d- was not very encouraging to you. I was, yeah, I gave you a lot of probably negative advice at the time. I don't remember any of it. Yeah. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I really well, don't. Because it was bad advice, so hopefully that none of it stuck. You yeah, know? I don't remember any of uh, it. But yeah, because, you know, I've worked in real estate for a long time, and I just uh, was, you know, in kind of a sour mood for a while. So I remember when you were first getting started, I all I really told you were all the things that can go wrong and that you should look out for without yep. giving you any really helpful sure. <laughs> advice. So. Well, I think I think well that's probably the reason I probably don't remember is because that's very very common. Yeah, is it like everybody talks about everything that could possibly go wrong in almost every scenario? But like for me, I don't know. I I don't even remember barely any of it. And I talk to people a lot about that. I was like, man, there's people. Whenever I hear that, I'm like, 
I remember that the person that's telling you that is telling you because they want to protect you. They want to love you. And that's why I always remind people like, Hey, like if your parents are telling you certain things, cause like parents want to love you, mm-hmm. but they also want to protect you. So they'll tell you not to do things that they think you're going to get hurt. in, even though it could potentially be something great, but then they also base it on, you know, like, again, we talk about like the presuppositions, they base it on things that they've seen in their lives. And, uh, yeah, it's always like, it's always difficult to, help somebody through things, but at the same time, like, you know, like if you've never, like you said, invested or done anything, then it's hard to like yeah. give people advice for something that you haven't actually done either. So then it's like, man, like how do I give the advice? I think, you know, most of us operate by default. We operate out of a, you know, scarcity mentality, mm-hmm. you know? And like, I've caught up myself with, you know, growing up, we were really poor and didn't always have things, you know, much to eat or whatever. So I get on to my kids about you, you threw that plate away when the, you know, there were still two good nuggets on that plate. Well, uh, we're a far cry from them having to worry about food. You know, why, why am I stressing that? So there's some good things I can take from it about being frugal and concerned. Yeah. But, but I don't need to enforce, I don't need to install this fear in them that they have no need for, you know? And I, a lot of times when people are giving you that negative advice, that's where it's coming from. And like you said, they may love you and they're just afraid of you, yep. you know, making a mistake or going without yep. or, you know. And sometimes it's not even necessarily like a negative. Like I don't even always see it as negative. It's more like, uh, like I said, protection. And like, I remember like whenever we first started, like Tony had a lot of those and I was like, dude, we're going to be fine. I don't know if you remember uh, what your thoughts were. Did, or were you? Oh passing? yeah, well I was scared. I would have been out of the company if you wouldn't have kept me in. My dad was definitely like, "Ooh, I I know that area. You definitely should not buy a house there. Uh, there's all kinds of crime there. It's not a good area. Mm-hmm. I I know people who bought houses down there and they haven't done very well. And uh, so I I think it meant uh, we kind of ended up really finally asking one of our mentors who has what we wanted. And so that was kind of like the key where it was like, who, who has gotten where we want to go? When you ask that mentor, then they give you a lot more like, well, this is what I've done in my experience. And this is what I think would work. Mm -hmm. And, uh, this is a really good little hook into the next question. So, uh, you've been with your wife a long time. Mm -hmm. You guys have been through a lot together. How have you managed to stay married for so long? And what relationship advice would you give to other people who want that long lasting relationship with, with their forever person. You know, we still have our, our struggles. Um, but, uh, my wife's mom was married, I think four times and mine was married three. Dad was married three, I think. Uh, so we'd seen what a broken marriage looks like. Uh, That was the model we did have. Um, and early on, um, <laughs> I remember I, I told her, I'm like, look, I've, I know what divorce looks like. Um, this is going to be my one and only marriage. You know, I, um, I will not divorce you. Um, but I know where to hide your body. <laughs> and she said, I already have a spot picked out for yours. And I said, <laughs> okay, we're good. Uh, uh, you know, in all seriousness, we, you, you have to approach it, I think, as, look, we're in this. 
um, there is no escape. Mm-hmm. You know, there is no, um, I'm going to go live with my parents or whatever. You know, we're in this together, and we're just going to make it work. Um, you know, it's weird when you look at the statistics on marriage. You know, the, the marriages that have the, the highest um, success rate are arranged marriages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, I have a friend of mine that was telling me that yeah. he, he's Indian. Yeah. Now, I'm not for that system, right? I'm not saying that's a good thing. But I think part of why they have a high success rate, well, for one, it's it's a cultural thing. But two, uh, these people were trained to, here's how you're supposed to treat your spouse, mm-hmm. whoever they are. Um, and if you do those things, it, it works, you know. Um, and also being aware that... Um, no other person is responsible for my happiness. Mm-hmm. It is not your job to make me happy. Uh, it is not your job to be to fulfill me. Right? You, uh, your spouse's role should be to add to those things and not take away from it. But if you're depending on some other person to make you happy that person doesn't exist other than in my opinion in, in Jesus you know yeah um and so th- that's where a lot of relationships fail right is i love you but i'm not in love anymore mm-hmm. right because you don't make me f- feel happy well yeah. you're just unhappy and maybe i'm doing some things to exacerbate that but i'm not the source or the root of it mm-hmm. you know um although some people i yeah, you maybe, like, yeah. maybe really are the source. I don't know, but yeah. but yeah, having uh, you know un, unexpressed uh, expectations are are um, going to be unmet expectations. You know, if you're not clear about what uh, you're trying to get out of a relationship, um, it, you're always going to be frustrated. Yeah, you know? and and so that's been you know, like I said, we still have our moments where we get really frustrated with each other. And I'm she probably gets more frustrated with me, you know. Uh, but uh, we know that, like, you know, there's, at the end of the day, we're, you know, uh, this relationship is to death, you know. Yeah. And so, hey, you're going to have to figure it out, you know. Um, and I think that's the biggest problem is that people just give up mm-hmm. too easy, you know. Or, or they go into the relationship knowing that I can give up. Yeah. Right. Mm. Or, you know, if you, you know, if you go in with even in, you know, in an investment, if you just know that, um, well, if anything else, I know I can just dump it to, you know, this one guy and I'll only make a thousand bucks. Right. Well, you're probably going to take advantage of that opportunity more than you should. Mm -hmm. Uh, But but if you're like, hey, we're in this, we've got to find a way to make this work. Usually you'll find a way. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you. uh, how do you balance like uh, I mean you're a pretty amb- ambitious person you you like to accomplish things I feel like that's like a you know a guy thing it feels like you mm-hmm. know guys just want to go out and accomplish and like get stuff done and do things how do you have you ever felt like you want to get that stuff done so much more that you don't desire your wife or like spending time with them and like if you do how do you actually like 
change that? Because obviously, you know, you talk about, to me, it sounds like it was a commitment thing. You mm -hmm. committed and it is what it is. And that's the way I felt with my marriage is like, I'm committed. And so now it doesn't matter what happens. You can do whatever, I'm committed. But then how do you actually like, because that's not the kind of relationship that I ever want again. I want to actually want yeah and desire that person how do you change that where you're like i'm trying to build and like reach my potential on who i'm supposed to be as a man but then at the same time like still be the person i'm supposed to be like all together and desire it because that's the problem is i've i lost the desire to actually want to be present sometimes yeah i you know that's a that's a danger i think especially for uh i'm going to speak in generalities and probably offend some people with gender <laughs> norms and stuff but uh i think in general uh, uh you guys are you know uh, goal oriented and you know we get focused on the thing we're going to do um and our wives or girlfriends uh like to talk about their feelings and and that can whether intentionally or not can come across as criticism mm -hmm. right and when I'm trying to get going in a positive direction, the last thing I need is your negativity and your criticism. Right. Right. Um, and so I think for one, learning to, to hear that as they're just pouring their heart out to you and not just telling you you suck, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but that's a difficult thing. You know, the, um, in, this, in the Bible, uh, there's some very, very clear direction about how a husband is supposed to treat a wife and, and vice versa. And when I've talked to people whose relationships have failed, um, you know, sometimes there are just weird things that happen and I, there's no way to explain it. This, it just, this just went off the rails. But most of the time, we can go through that list and find that you weren't doing most of these. Right. You were busy with other things. Uh, and, you know, and to make it as generalized as possible, what it boils down to is men are commanded to love their wives unconditionally and make them feel safe and secure no matter what. Um, and you're, and women are commanded to honor their husbands uh, and, you know, make him feel uh, respected and that he matters, right? Um, the, the interesting thing about that is that both people should be doing both, right? You should treat your wife with respect mm -hmm. and, and honor her, and she should love you, right? And, and, but we're never commanded to do a thing that we would already do, right? You don't have to command someone to breathe. You just do it. Mm -hmm. And Part of that thing that's baked into you, I believe, is that uh, men do not automatically, by nature, show love, right? We show love by doing things, right? right. By working hard. Yeah, you know, we have no problem with making sure we're providing, right? Uh, but to to make her feel safe and secure doesn't just mean build a house. It makes you know, there's more to it than that. And so we have to be commanded to do this thing because we'll forget about it. Mm -hmm. And same thing. She has to be reminded to, hey, he really needs to know that you're for him and not against him. And, you know, because um, it's not going to come naturally to them. And I know I just offended everybody with you know, 
But, uh, hey, it's true. Yeah. I mean, it just is. I say it kind of sounds like going back to what you said earlier about, like, the kids and their desires and stuff, I guess, like, you know, it's basically about doing what's best instead of doing what you want to do, which is, I don't know, for me, I struggle with a lot because I'm like, man, I wish, I just wanted to, like, change my heart and desire it. That's Mm -hmm. what I want. I'm like, man, why can't I just want to do this? Like, because, like, when I when I'm like building businesses and stuff, like it's the most fun thing in the world to me. Like, I'm like, man, I want to do this all the time. Like I want that desire for other things too. And I've never found it. And I'm like, man, I really wish I could just create that desire in myself. Well, see that the building business thing, I know it's this word doesn't seem like it applies, but it is easy for you. I know it's a lot of work, right? But it's easy for you to get out of bed in the morning and go, I am going to go. Yeah. You know, because it's how you're wired, right? Right. Um, and you know, life is is about yeah, play to your strengths, but also do the thing that isn't easy, mm-hmm. right? And you know, what you're asking for is, hey, how do I make um, this thing that doesn't come naturally to me come naturally to me? Right. Well, I do it more. Yeah, if you, <laughs> yeah do it more. Yeah. Um, you know, you can repeat things and it becomes a habit and eventually it becomes just part of who you are, but it doesn't, it's not going to come naturally unless you work at it. Yeah. You know, and I know your situation, I know you worked at it, but yeah, um, I'm always, I'm still working at it. I'm just like, that's why I asked the question because I'm still working at it. I'm like trying to figure out, I'm like, man, I really do want to desire that. And like, I'm trying to figure it out, but yeah, I'm still trying to get myself to desire salads and it's, it's not working, but I keep I keep trying them anyway. You know. Yep. <laughs> you want to start uh, working on wrapping this up, or you want to stretch out a little bit longer? Uh, we still got like a handful of questions here. <laughs> uh, yeah, we got to get into time if you do. I say we got to get into this one. All wanted, right. There's one question I wanted to get into. It might be a if, little. If, the, con- if anybody's still listening after all this, <laughs> oh, they stuff. definitely are. Th- this one might get a little controversial. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Now we got to get into the real estate stuff a little uh-huh. bit. So we got to talk about uh, Mr. Dave. Dave Ramsey. <laughs> yes, Mr. Dave Ramsey. <laughs> we got to talk about him. So first of all, I just okay. want to hear your thoughts because I know, like, uh, you know, the church always, like, has Dave Ramsey stuff. And, like, obviously there's a lot of good that comes from Dave Ramsey. Mm-hmm. So I want to hear your perception of him. And then just in the mix of that, I, I would just want to know, if you have you read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Yes. Okay. So then I just want you to talk about a li- mostly Dave Ramsey, but then like talk a little bit about both and like your perception of each. Okay, so um, we, my wife and I, we went through uh, financial peace as Dave's course, bread and butter course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we went through that years ago and it really did help us reverse some trends in our uh, finances. Cause like I said, we were kids that were raised by kids you know, yep. who never had any money. So we didn't know how to handle money. Yep. Um, and so I think his system um, has a real place and a real use. And, the, and you mentioned like our church sometimes offers that course. And who we're offering that for, who we're intending it for are, you know, couples who they've never been able to get their crap together long enough to buy a house. Right. You know, they're living paycheck to paycheck. 
they don't have more than a couple hundred dollars in the bank and they're, they're in collections and that kind of stuff. I think his system is great for that, for making you like really take an honest look at your finances. Cause that for us, most, a lot of it was, we never put in the work to really see where the money went. Cause we didn't want to know. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, yep. Because you know, when we have a little bit of extra money, we wanted to be able to go out to eat and not mm-hmm. think about, well, we should have paid more on that credit card or whatever. Yep. You know, so it, some, there's some good um, concepts there, right? Learn, you know, know where your money goes. Have uh, an emergency fund. Yep. Um, that's about where it stops, I think. Yeah. Um, I think his system uh, is not about building wealth. It's about getting some financial health. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean for that to rhyme. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, other people may disagree, and I haven't gone into, you know, he. I know he has some stuff that has more to do with, like, estate planning and all, you know, maybe there's more of that. But his, the thing he's most known for, you know, have your $1,000 emergency fund and all that, which that's funny, you know, because he came up with this system 25, 30 years ago. What emergency would $1,000 solve in your life right now? A very small one. Yeah, but... That number needs to be a lot higher. Yeah, you know. But thirty years ago, thousand dollars went. Right. Either way, still the idea of having a thousand dollars that you don't immediately go out and spend on a new TV and stuff yeah. is foreign to a lot of people. Yep. You know. So, um, I think it's a good tool. Rich dad, poor dad is a very different mindset, right? It's it's about okay, we're going to get out of that famine, you know, mentality, mentality and we're going to look at how do I build something going forward yeah and for most of us most americans are not in that place in their lives most people if they were out of work for two weeks would be in dire straits yep you know and um yeah so that you know we're still kind of working through that we have like we have one investment property but i had some bigger plans to do some other things uh, but I realized that I was a little bit payment poor, you know, when I tried to get some financing put together, uh, even though I know I could make it on paper, yep. it doesn't look that way. Like so it. now okay, I'm like, all right, next step is we're going to get knock this payment out and, you know, be able to, I, I may explore other, yep. you know, options or whatever, but I know that that's a hindrance. Right. And so for me, if I went without making money for Yep. I have a I have a little more than two weeks of leeway, but uh, you know I know that I'm one disaster away from real financial disaster too. You know, so yep. I, I think rich dad poor dad is does a great job of at least getting you thinking about your money differently. Right? Yes. Is, is it a tool or is it a survival mechanism? So mm-hmm. I say because uh, I was thinking like as you're talking, I was like, man, I agree with that a lot. Like basically what you're talking about is like I agree with like you have to have a budget and like you know other people like who follow. You know, you can follow Dave Ramsey too hard and you can follow uh, uh, Robert Kiyosaki too hard, mm-hmm. too, where they're like, oh, man, you shouldn't even have a budget. And don't worry about your spending. So I'm like, you guys are crazy because like the only way that you can ever actually start to get wealth is by saving up front. I guess you could create it another way. But the thing that really like uh, as you were just talking there makes me think is the mindset different, though, is mm-hmm. Dave Ramsey is very much like conserve, conserve, conserve. Can I afford that? 
that those are the questions that you're asking yourself. Can I afford it? Should I do it? You know, conserve. And then rich or dad is poor it, dad. Is it in our budget? Yeah. And then rich dad poor dad's mindset is more about, or rather Kiyosaki rather, um, his is more about how can I do this? And so to me, it was a complete different shift of like, okay, like you talk about, okay, my debt to income's off, so the banks aren't funding. But another question that you could ask is, how can I still get this? Mm -hmm. You can go borrow it, you can go do this. And then like, that's really the question. Cause like, if we were just relying on the banks, Tony and I wouldn't have bought the last 25 right. properties. Yeah. That's that's what's really funny too, is uh, we have 63 doors-ish now. Yeah, 64, yep. And uh, I'm still not bankable. <laughs> so yeah. I live in one of our rental properties. Um, but if our tax accountant gets our taxes done here soon, we get everything back. I'll probably be in a position where I can get my own personal home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So but it's yeah. interesting, all the rules, regulations, and things like that. But the, the point was just, you know, asking how can it be done uh, is a powerful question. Yeah, it's, I think I think Dave wants you to save your way to wealth, which doesn't work. Yeah. You know, um, and other schools of thought are, well, you're just going to have to earn more. Yeah. You know? And um, you need a little bit of both, right? You need some sure. um, responsibility. But um, yeah, so so like what I the example I brought up of the you know debt to income ratio thing. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm, it's making me look at other avenues, but also it really got me just aware of you know a car payment. That payment for five years or whatever could easily be the payment on one or two properties. Yep. Right, depending on what your car payment is. Yep. Uh, even a low like a three hundred dollar car payment. Well, that's the payment on a what seventy eighty thousand dollar mortgage yeah. you know so uh i'm not against leveraging debt just be smart with what debt you have and exactly. how you're going to use it you know yeah, it's interesting yeah. to me how many people are not i was in car sales as you know mm -hmm. but i was i was selling cars and people are not scared to be in get a five six seven hundred dollar payment on a jeep wrangler but they're so scared of getting an investment property that's going to pay them money i'm like I don't get it. I literally don't get it. They're like, I'm so scared of the investments. And I think it does have to do with other people like, well, what if it breaks down? What is this? What if that? And I'm like, but you're the Jeep could do the same thing is way more likely. Yeah. So I always thought it was interesting that they'll go in debt 50, 60,000 for a car, but they'll like, they think that a house is risky. And I do think that a lot of times it's a, it's just the mindset or it's like, it's a weird thing. And about how our economy works too, because uh, I can go on my lunch break and borrow $70,000 for a car SUV. Yeah. And spend three months trying to get approved for a $70,000 yeah. home loan. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. the crazy thing. So, well, there's I, something. I don't have an answer for that uh, one. I got the answer, but I can't say it on air. But. Well, people will pay. Yeah. People will pay their car payment. That's the well, answer. Yeah. 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 You know, well, it, that's the, not the only answer. Yeah, Let's just say yeah, that. Yeah. Push, push up papers across the table. Yeah. Say dealerships can say you make however amount of much money mm -hmm. that you need to make if you have a certain credit score. Yeah. Um, so that's really how it happens. And like, there's not as much regulations on cars. Um, as there is with mortgages, and I think I don't we know the you, car crash of two thousand. Yeah, I was gonna say was you were in crash. the you were in the um, business back in that time. So was was the same thing going on where they could put whatever income they wanted? Or yeah, I'm old enough, but uh, I remember when uh, there were it, it was a fairly common occurrence to have, to see a stated income mm. closing. You know, you could bar buy whatever uh, you know five hundred thousand dollar property, and you just 
write down just write down that I make a million dollars a year. Yep. And the, if your credit score and you you've got some bank statements to show you've got some money in the bank or whatever, we'll prove it. Wow. And yeah, that was back in the wild west when we were doing 120% loan to value loans and uh, man. Yeah. If we could do that, <laughs> we, yeah. we would uh I would say we would we would be a lot yeah. further than where we're at right now cuz like uh like Tony was talking about, our tax accountant has still hasn't got our taxes done. Sherry filed an extension on them. We haven't had our profit and loss for like, uh, it's been eight months now. And so we stopped being bankable. And so mm-hmm. like, then we had, we're like, all right, well, like, you know, the rich dad, poor dad thing. Okay. How can we make this work right. now? Because we can't borrow the money anymore from the bank. So then now we're borrowing it from individuals. So Tony sent out an email to a bunch of uh, private money lenders. We found like five or six more private money lenders and then bam, we got them all funded. But like, it was at a cost. But at the same time, obviously, we're going to make more money because that's another thing that I've noticed people look at is like if you're, you know, a big fan of Dave Ramsey or other people like, oh, don't pay any interest or anything like that. And it's like, OK, but if or I, even the, the interest rate that we're paying, a lot of times people are like, dude, that's nuts. You yeah. guys are paying 10 to 12 percent interest. And we're like, yeah, there's like fifty thousand dollars of equity there. Yeah. yeah. You know, when I when I first got started as a loan officer uh, was like late 90s. Um, I was five, five, <laughs> five years old. Uh, but I remember back then we were refinancing people down to nine percent. Wow! And they were ecstatic to have a single-digit interest rate. Mm. Uh, so yeah, people have a really distorted idea of you know what a good rate is. You know, because I I still do closings. I'm not a loan officer anymore. I'm a closing agent, title closing agent. And I'll still see people grumble about, oh, yeah, I got four and a half percent. And yeah. I'm like, That's you, true. you know, your parents or your grandparents were paying like 18 percent back in the 80s for their house. So, yep. um, yeah, these are still even though the rates are on the, the rise, they're still historically low and nine or 10 percent or whatever on private money. That's still yeah. that's still great. As long, yeah, that's what we look at. Is as long as we can still build and do the things that we need to do, I don't care what it, what the interest rate is. Mm-hmm. If like if we're gonna be able to make money on it, I'll pay them half. I don't really care. Like for us, it's like more about uh, just making sure, obviously, the business is still running, but then also like honoring what we said to these people. Because I remember uh, this is gonna sound crazy to most people, um, but I remember on a Facebook post, there's a real estate investor place. Somebody had a property under contract. And then they let other people know that, you know, they didn't have the money for it. And everybody was just making fun of them and like all this other stuff. And that's bull crap. And I was like, it is funny to me how often Tony and I put properties under contract that we have n- no idea how we're going to get the money. And like, sometimes it keeps me up at night a little bit, but like, mm. well, oh yeah, I talked yeah. to you that one time when I was stressed out. Um, that happens often because we put so many properties under contract, it's just an astronomical number, and then we always find the money. So like, it's interesting how you can find it as long as you think of how can I do it instead of like, can I do it? Mm-hmm. And it's because it's, it's just a completely different mindset. And so we've, we always just find a way and we have, and I guess that's how we built to where we have. Obviously, it's sometimes a little risky because if there's a huge downturn and then you're buying the properties or whatever, then that's where you might struggle a little bit, but we, I think that, that, you know, that comes back to what we were talking about earlier, that mindset or commitment, you know, even with your relationships and with deals. Okay. I, we're committed. We we're under contract. Yeah. We've got to find a way, Yep. you know, because if you always go into it with, well, worst case scenario, we lose 500 bucks earnest mm. money or something, you know, 
you're not going to close those deals. That's a good point. You know, I never thought about that because that's what a lot of other investors do. They're like, oh, worst case scenario, we have a contingency in there that we back out. And like, I don't think of it like that. I think of it like we gave this person our word. They're mm -hmm. now moving their properties. They're moving all their stuff around. We're going to make this happen no matter what. We're going to find a way. And same thing, I'm, we're willing to give up like almost everything. Like if we got to give up all the money that we're going to make, like it is what it is. We've we've made $0 on deals just because we had to honor what we what we've lost money on deals because we're going to honor what we said we're going to do because we know we're affecting people's lives in a major way. Yeah, that you know, it for a lot of people, you know, their word doesn't have the weight that it should, Yeah. You know? Um but you know, if you if you're going to lead a a life of truth is the thing we keep talking about, right? Um, then I committed to this. I'm going to come through because what I say matters. And I, and you know, if you, even, hopefully you don't have to do that very often. But those deals where you have lost just to, you know, f to keep your word, that stuff comes back to you, right? You know, um, there's, I know I've told you this story a bunch of times, but you know, back in, in the Old Testament, there's uh, Abraham and Lot, and they're uh, they have they both have uh, you know, their own people and animals and stuff. And, and it gets to where there's too many of them and, and lots of people are causing problems. And so Abraham, who basically has the deed to all this land that they're in, goes to Lot and he says, you know, we can't both, we can't stay together. We need to s split up. You pick whatever direction you want. You go that way and that land, I'll give that land to you. And so he's losing a little mm -hmm. to save the relationship. You know, and if, if you're willing to do that to preserve that relationship, that relationship m most of the time is going to be more valuable than that one deal. Yep. You know, uh, because part of what you do is probably built on those relationships of, you know, hey, they bought my house. Give here's their number. Yep. You know, you get some some repeat business, hopefully. Yep. You know? And not just that, but then also like other wholesalers and then other right. private money lenders, like they know like, hey, like we can trust these people. Like, cause if there's a downturn, we're not the kind of people who's like, oh, we got no money into this. Let's just give it back. We're not those kind of people because no, this person trusts us with their money. We're going to see it through and we're going to finish it out. So yeah, that's a good point that it is, has to do with our commitment and like what, what our word was. We don't look at like, oh, it's just a little bit of a loss. It's more like, no, we committed to this and we're going to make it happen. Yeah. Your word is worth way more than you know, this yeah. little bit of money you might lose on this deal and because it's, that's, what's going to be with you longer. Yeah. And what is going to probably help you get other deals. Cause people will be like, these guys will treat you right. Or these guys are, they're going to come through, you know? Um, yeah. I think that yeah. matters way more than squeezing out a little bit of extra profit on one deal. Yeah. For me, uh, um, this will be the last question. Then we go into some closing questions. But for me, it has to do with uh, more like the bigger purpose. Um, like, you know, the reason of like, uh, I've noticed now, like I've got gifts and there's purpose. And obviously like the gifts I've been given, like you said, it's very easy for me. Like I know now that I've been given a gift and so is Tony. So is like everybody that's with us. Like we've all been given gifts. You have a ton of gifts. Um, and so like you're using those. So how do you find your purpose with those gifts? Cause like, even now I'm like, okay, I know without a doubt that I have a gift in business. I'm not exactly sure how I'm supposed to be using. It. I know that this is a part of it and like integrity and showing that you can do things the right way is a part of it, mm -hmm. but I'm not exactly sure what's next. Cause I don't feel like this is a hundred percent it either. So how do you find 
like, you know, using your gifts and then finding your purpose. Have you found a way to try to align those or like, how do you know that you're on the right path? And, there, you know, there's so many different uh, tools out there. Like I'm, I'm a big fan of um, uh, the Enneagram. I don't know if you've ever looked into that. Um, you know, it help, just helps you kind of know yourself, a little, you know, these are my tendencies. So here are things that stress me and here are things that, you know, give me energy. So, you know, learning to know yourself and then the more you know yourself, you'll know other people better um, is is helpful. Um, but uh, what is it? Um, I'm trying to remember the quote. Uh, I'm losing it. The one inventor basically said, you know, inspiration is uh, it. It's, you know, found through your your work. It finds you working. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and and the Bible backs that up too, right? That uh, is, if you're faithful in a few things, then you'll be given more. And he, he, uh, blessings are found when you're being faithful to what you do know, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, f finding that perfect marriage of uh, your talents and abilities, and you know, the right situation for them. Maybe some of it's luck. I don't know, but I think a lot of it is just you know making sure you're you're putting in the work, right? You work you're constantly working at uh, what you know you are gifted at, um, and I, I just think you know it'll find you. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people spend their whole lives working hard at just working hard, mm -hmm. you know, and not at uh, what they were really made for. And if, if you're working toward uh, what you're, know how you're wired and then work toward it, um, you know, I think those scenarios present themselves. Yeah. I don't know if that's helpful or not, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I say, I feel like, uh, I mean, I, I think that you're living out your purpose. Um, I mean, I definitely think that you're meant to be a, uh, a pastor, a leader, you know, sometimes a counselor, you've influenced me a lot of my life, mm. which obviously is like has a trickle effect where I get to now help other people. Um, you've helped, you know, Tony and I with going through like hard things in our lives and stuff. So yeah, I just really appreciate you living out your purpose too. So well, you know, um, I, I appreciate both of you guys, you make me really proud. Um, but um, here's something I, I'd, I'd encourage you to do is Think back to when you were a little kid. What did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, I felt like I wanted to be, it, it depends on what age, but I remember when I was very young, it was like a police officer. When I was like, you know, 14, it was definitely like a business owner. Okay. Um, and that was about it. What about you, Tony? I'd, think back early as, as early as you can remember. Well, I think I think of this and now I can relate it to me now because I originally just wanted to make like comics so I wanted other people to like look at my comics mm -hmm. or read my comics, but then I would also make games. I also create things. Really what I want is to create something that other people do. Like I want people to be part of my thing. I just want to yeah, so design a it. game, create a thing, like something artistic and creative. People are like, wow, Tony did that. I want to be part of that thing that Tony made. So you want to influence people, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I, I was thinking about this a while back because I'm, you know, obviously a little further in life than you guys are. And I'm at that point where you start going, oh, did, did I, am I ever going to reach these goals or I never reached that goal? So I was thinking back to when I was little, I remember I, wa I wanted to uh, 
uh, I either wanted to be a writer, like a you know like write novels, or, um, a history teacher, <laughs> a juggler, <laughs> a professional one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm just being honest, right? Uh, and I can't remember. There were a couple other ones, but I, I wrote all these things down. These are the things I wanted to be when I was little. And then I'm looking at my life, and I'm like, you know, I've done all of these, mm-hmm. just in different ways, right? I, I, I teach primarily the Old Testament. I, I have a degree in Old Testament studies, right? So I'm, it's a little bit of history, right? Mm-hmm. I, I teach, I, I do some teaching. Um, I, I write all the time. I write articles. I write, uh, you know, sermons, devotions, things like that. Uh, a juggle. I have six kids and um, a business, and you know, two two different careers. Basically, I'm juggling things all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, instead of looking at like how you've not measured up or not reached some goal, I bet you have in some way. And you're just not. You know, you've lost perspective. You know. Yeah. Uh, you're not making comics, but you're doing things. You're putting content out into the world that influences people and draws people into your yeah, world. I do, I do our newsletter. That's kind of like a comic. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always just struggle with, I guess, like, for, for me, I always feel like, man, like, there's something there's something more that I feel like I'm supposed to be doing, I mm-hmm. guess. And, like, I don't know. I'm always like, man, am I doing what I'm supposed to? Like, what God has created me for, basically, mm-hmm. you know? And that's always the question I ask, which is, like, big. But um, I was actually at a Bible study on Monday, and it was something that hit me hard is like they just said, you know, I can't remember what it was from Habakkuk or maybe it was from ha- something with an H. It was a, it was a weird name yeah. with an H, but they just said, uh, um, consider your ways. And I was like, wow, like consider your ways and like always remember like basically, you know, why you're doing it. And that's always been very difficult for me just because like I made a commitment and I can fulfill that. But it's always like why and the purpose behind it, I guess. I feel like it's easier to have that purpose if, like, you're a pastor, because then it's like, all right, like, obviously, I'm doing what God wants me to do because I'm a pastor. You know, that's um, you caught me on my phone. I was trying to look up a verse that I couldn't <laughs> remember. Uh, that's you know, that's um, one of the things I I, th- I find funny is people assume, oh, you're a pastor, so then you're doing everything right, and that's just not that's just not the case, you know. Yeah. Um, the guy that claims that is. A liar, mm-hmm. you know, um, y- you know, yeah. I, I that is one area that I, I feel like God called me to to do or to work in, um, but I don't I don't do it perfectly, you know. I'm I'm not um, always fulfilling my ultimate purpose in life all the time, you know. Yeah, um, I think uh, that's one of the the biggest realizations I've had. Um, in the last few years, and I've, I know I've talked to you about this, is I had this moment where um, I realized there are no grown-ups. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there, there just aren't. Um, I was in a situation where <laughs> something went wrong, and I'm like, oh, man, somebody should do something. And then I looked around and went, oh, crap, I'm that guy. I'm the <laughs> one that has to do something, you know. Um and as a kid, you just think adults have everything figured out, and you know, yep. um, that person was born to be a teacher, that person was born to be a cop, and whatever. Uh, and the reality is, is 
most of us have kind of stumbled into whatever it is we're doing, mm-hmm. you know. So the moment you realize there are no real experts, you know, even the ones that are officially experts really aren't, you yeah. know, uh, then it makes things, uh, I think, more wide open and, and possible, right? Because you somehow got to where you are. Uh, why can't I? You know? Right. Um, but I know that, you know, you have that desire to make sure you're, you're fulfilling your purpose. And that, yeah, this was the verse I was looking for. Um, Micah 6, 8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? This is what your purpose is, right? But to do justice, to love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. To know that you don't know everything. Mm-hmm. To make sure that other people are cared for and matter. And, and to you strive for what's right. And you'll, you'll find your purpose in that, I think. Or not. I don't. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> so uh, this last question's yeah. a fun one. It's another softball. So <laughs> it's not at all. Okay. So 50 years from now, mm. you're on your deathbed. What is your legacy? It could be a billboard, a paragraph, a small message, something that you want to tell to the world. Hmm. Yeah, real softball, Tony. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for not giving me any warning about the question. Summarize your life, right? <laughs> In one sentence. <laughs> it's your it's your message too. It's like your something that you think that the world needs to hear, or your legacy. Hmm. Uh, read more, listen more, speak less. Um, chase truth and be fully aware that it is available, right? It can be found. And uh, there is there is one general manager of the universe, and you are not it. Have you seen Hamilton? <laughs> I have. <laughs> All right. I That's have. what it just made me think of. Talk less. <laughs> smile more. <laughs> That's what it made me think of when you said that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think we, you know, most people do not listen. Mm-hmm. Um, when, I, when I'm talking to you, for the most part, you're thinking of how, what you're going to say next. Mm-hmm. Listening for keywords. Oh, he said boat. I know. I have a boat story. Yep. You know. Uh, yeah. There's a reason we have two ears and one mouth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, In case Peter cuts one off. He will. But the Bible says that uh, where there are many words, uh, transgression is unavoidable. You know, and it's better to be silent and thought a fool than to open your mouth and prove it. Yeah, you know, and um, yeah, talk a little bit less, you know, even in when you're negotiating, right? Absolutely. You know, it's it's really easy to talk yourself out of a good deal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, listen I, more and, and listen to what what do you really need? Mm-hmm. You know, 
and and I think you can meet someone else's needs and your own if yep. you're really looking for the right opportunity. Yep, that's what I always talk to like our sales guys about is like, dude, you need to talk a whole lot less. You should not be talking. You should talk 10% of the time, they should be talking 90% mm -hmm. of the time. And basically what you're doing is you're pointing the questions to find out what they actually like need or want and how you can actually help them accomplish that. And we can still accomplish what we need to accomplish. Cause the more you talk, like sometimes I'm like, dude, you over explain that. They don't care and they don't even know what you're saying. Like you're using words that don't matter. So just ask questions and find out like what they actually want. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, that's the most important thing in sales, ask. Just ask. Yeah, ask questions and then really listen. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, I wish I would have had a, a cooler answer for that uh, summarize your life thing. It's but, still yeah. different. It's yeah, still different than everybody else who's ever came on, so. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had more time. I wanted to go into, like, talking about being a dad, but. We don't. I gotta go to the bathroom so bad. So. Oh, yeah. Well, if you know, if you want me to come back and offend more people on your show, yeah. I'd be willing to do that. So. I don't think anybody's gonna be too offended. I'm, pre I'm pretty sure you offended uh, the Catholic Church, <laughs> uh, and so so why not? Next time we'll we'll try to be uh, find another group to offend. Yeah, if I offended you, Catholic Church, I'm sorry. I love you, and uh, for the for the capitalist out there, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I, I offended Republicans and capitalists. Yes, uh, so we still love you too. <laughs> Absolutely, but uh, cool. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Love you guys. Love you. Thank you guys for watching. We love you guys too. Appreciate your support. Peace. Peace.